Well, good morning once again. It's good to see everybody. Can I have you uh, turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 18? Now, this morning in our study in the Gospel of John, we have uh, entered into chapter 18, which focuses on the morning of Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then the two trials he would be put through uh, before being crucified. The first being a religious trial, the second a civil trial. The first trial took place before the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish high council. The second one before Pilate, the Roman governor of the region. Now, we've already looked at the religious trial that Jesus was put through, and so now we want to continue looking at the civil trial he endured that morning. So let's pick it up in verse 28. Then they led Jesus to, from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, Well, you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the, uh, to you, uh, to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate Therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And, then, and when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews, and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Now, Pilate's question to Jesus when he asked him if he was a king, and Jesus told him, and I'm going to paraphrase, I am a king, but not the kind of king that conquers earthly cities and kingdoms, at least not at his first coming. I am a king that conquers hearts and minds by bearing witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. To which Pilate responds, what is truth, and walks away. Now, guys, commentators have debated for centuries whether this was the response of a broken, despondent man who had given up all hope of ever knowing what truth is. Or was this the response of a hardened politician, a truly cynical person who didn't care about knowing what truth is, if he even believed it existed at all. Now, I'll leave that up to you to grapple with, you know, and come to your own conclusions as to the nature of Pilate's response, what is truth. 
But as I said in last week's message and service, a segue into today's, without truth, life would be impossible. And so even though Pilate may have asked this question in a cynical, dismissive way, the question itself is profound and its meaning essential to human life. So let's look at it. What is truth? You know, many scholars, um, academics, and philosophers over the centuries have relegated the concept of truth to the realm of the abstract or theoretical. And because so many secular intellectuals reject the concept of truth as an absolute reality, you know, something that is real, tangible, and knowable, they conclude it is merely a subjective con uh, concept. In other words, something that is based on personal feelings and or personal experiences. And so they claim truth isn't absolute, it's relative. In other words, basically truth is whatever you want it to be. But as I just said, without truth, people can't live, societies break down, and life would be impossible without objective, absolute truth. Because without objective, absolute truth, there can be no righteous standard of morality, and therefore no righteous laws governing a society, both of which are based on the objective, absolute standard of right and wrong that we call truth. In our culture today, many have abandoned the idea of moral absolutes in favor of moral relativism. They say things like, my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth. If it works for you and feels good, hey, it's great, it's okay, that's your truth. And because so many want to do whatever seems right in their own eyes without anyone opposing or judging them, well, guess what? They naturally don't want to oppose or judge uh, the way anyone else is living their life either. And therefore, their mindset is something along the lines of, you accept me, I'll accept you. That becomes the general mindset of today's culture. Let's all live in a judge, judgment-free zone. I think um, a very well-known exercise company made that their motto. The, you're in a judgment-free zone. That's the way a lot of people want to live in America. And so we hear a lot today in our society about tolerance, inclusiveness, and love, which the world defines as basically, you know, accepting whatever people want to do and how they want to live. And if a person does speak out against immorality and sin, well, they're immediately labeled as judgmental and bigoted, as self-righteous and narrow-minded, all based on the belief of so many, which is really their religion, that there is no such thing as sin. But you see, John the Apostle said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, that those who say we have no sin are deceiving themselves and the truth is not in them. And then he goes on to say in verse 10 of chapter 1, of those who won't receive, the forgive, won't receive forgiveness from God because they are deceiving themselves. They don't think they need it. John says, if we say that we have not sinned. Interesting. I, I, whereas the first group, verse 8, could be saying that they no longer sin after having been saved. That's a doctrine called Christian perfectionism. This second group of people John is alluding to 
seems to be saying that they have never sinned at all. You might be thinking, how is it possible that anyone could believe they have never sinned at all, ever? It's possible if they change the rules or the standards by which certain behaviors are called sin in the first place. And so in our culture today, many have abandoned the idea of moral absolutes in favor of moral relativism. They, again, they believe there are, not, there are no moral absolutes, no absolute standards of right and wrong. Truth is whatever I want it to be. They've relegated truth to the realm of opinion. And everyone has their own opinion today, and everyone believes, many believe, that your opinion, because it's your truth, is absolute. Of course, moral absolutes come from God, who the Bible says is the, is the supreme lawgiver and righteous judge of all the earth. So those who want to get rid of God's laws, guess what? They have to get rid of God himself. Hence the rise of neo-atheism in our culture, especially among young people. Now, once they get rid of God, once they embrace the belief that he doesn't exist, well then neither do his commandments exist, which causes them to say, I have not sinned because, guess what? Sin doesn't exist. You see, if, there's no, if there is no absolute standard of right and wrong, then sin is impossible because sin is a violation of God's laws, which don't exist if he doesn't exist. Again, these people don't believe there is such a thing as sin. And they would tell you, I don't sin. That's your truth, not my truth. You know, when I have sex outside of marriage, or lie on my resume, or lie to get the promotion, or engage in homosexual activities, or kill babies in the womb, uh, it's not sin because that's my truth. I'm living up to my truth. And there's nothing wrong with me living up to my truth. Well then, by that logic, Hitler was not an evil, murdering monster. He was only living up to his truth. You know, when you go down this path, I don't know if a lot of people have really thought it through. Somebody breaks into your house and steals all your stuff, you call the police. Can you imagine the police coming and saying to you, well, but that was their truth. I can't, we can't go and arrest the guy because he's only living up to his authentic personhood. They tell us. His truth. His truth is your stuff belongs to him. I can't. We can't go out and arrest the guy. Come on. This is lunacy. It's lunacy. This philosophy has brought us to a period in our nation's history not unlike the period that the nation of Israel entered into under the book, under the judges. Read the book of Judges. That was one of the blackest periods in Israel's history, which was summed up with the words, there was no king in Israel, no sovereign, no lawgiver, no uh, righteous judge. There was no king in Israel, therefore everyone did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. A nation built on moral relativism. We're seeing it here. Guys, when a nation moves from moral absolutes, in other words, God's God's commandments, to moral relativism, doing whatever feels right to each person, that nation is ripe for God's judgment and in fact has already entered into it, whether they realize it or not, 
because in part it's manifested in a total breakdown of that society and we're seeing it in our nation right before our very eyes. I went back and checked on some of the quotes of some of our founding fathers who had actually things to say about this. And I'll give you two. First of all, Robert Winthrop, who was a founding father, early speaker of the House of Representatives. He made this famous quote. You've no doubt heard it. Men, in a word, must necessarily be controlled either by a power within or by a power without them either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or by the bayonet, end quote. And James Madison, the chief architect of the Constitution, said, and I quote, we have staked the whole future of American civilization not, not upon the power of government, excuse us, current administration, not in the power of government, far from it, we have staked the future of all of our political institutions upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God, end quote. And so in contrast, this is how our nation was established, and now here we are 230-some-odd or 40 years later, but in contrast, the man's relativistic moral insanity stands the word of God, which is true and righteous. Psalm 19, verses 8 and 9 tell us, the statutes of the Lord, statutes just another way of saying the word of God, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. But I, I'm getting ahead of myself. It's hard not to. This, you can't easily set these principles in a nice orderly fashion. They dovetail. Anyways, getting a little ahead of myself, let's go back to our original question. What is truth? What is true? I thought, well, how do I really begin looking at this subject? I want to see what secular intellectuals, scholars, what they have to say about truth. So I turn to the Webster, Merriam-Webster's dictionary, right? Good place to start. What is truth? Let's see what the dictionary says about truth. This is interesting, right? Five things. First of all, what is truth? It's the body of real things, events, and facts. But who decides what is real? Secularists who deny the existence of God and the supernatural and eternal judgment and life forever in heaven? Number two, what is truth? It's the property, as of a statement, of being in accord with fact or reality. But who determines what is fact or reality? Number three, truth is the body of true statements and propositions. Oh, yeah, as in COVID came from a wet market in Wuhan, China, or that the vaccine will keep you from getting COVID, or that Trump colluded with Russia to steal the 2016 election. We were told all of those were true. The elites and the intellectuals were propagating those lies as truth for, what, a couple years now? Number four, what is truth? What's fidelity to an original or, uh, to, an original or to a standard? <laughs> yes, but what original? What standard? Rules for radicals? Mein Kampf? 
give you one more. It's all you can take. It's all I can take. What is truth? It's sincerity in action. It's sincerity in action, character, and utterance. Really. If someone is sincere when they speak lies or if they're sincere in their actions like, again, Hitler or the 9-11 Muslim terrorists, then the words they speak, because they're sincere, right? Doesn't the Bible say that God counts sincerity as righteousness? No, right? He counts righteousness as righteousness, righteousness in him. But just because somebody speaks a lie with sincerity or does something evil in sincerity doesn't make it truth. Proverbs 14, verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end thereof is the way of death. First of all, did you notice how the intellectuals at Webster's, Merriam-Webster's, how they use truth to define it? Also, if those definitions seemed a little unambiguous and unsatisfactory in our quest to understand truth, listen, it's because those definitions leave out the source of truth that makes knowing truth and understanding truth possible, and that is God himself. Guys, very simply, trying to understand truth without God is like trying to understand sunlight without the sun. Truth emanates from God the way sunlight emanates from the sun. And just as trying to understand sunlight would be impossible without focusing on the sun as its source, well, so to understanding truth is impossible without starting with and focusing on God as its source. Guys, truth doesn't exist apart from God as an independent or stand-alone reality anymore then sunlight exists as an independent reality apart from the sun. God is truth. God is truth. Which means that what God calls truth, listen, is an expression and an extension of himself as something that emanates from him as part of his divine nature, even as Jesus said, who of course is God, John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I thought John, Pastor John MacArthur had some very um, powerful things to say on this subject. And so he uh, was talking about the subject of truth. Here's what he said, and I quote, Ask anyone today what is truth, and you're sure to start an interesting conversation. Try it on a university campus, and you're likely to receive laughter, scorn, and maybe even derision. The concept of truth has clearly fallen on hard times, and the consequences of rejecting it are ravaging human society. So let's go back to the starting point and answer the question, what is truth? One of the most profound and eternally significant questions in the Bible was posed by an unbeliever, Pontius Pilate. Pilate, the man who handed Jesus over to be crucified, turned to Jesus in his final hour and asked, what is truth? It was a rhetorical question, a cynical response to what Jesus had just revealed when he said, I have come into the world to testify to the truth. 2,000 years later, the whole world breathes Pilate's cynicism. Some say truth is a power play, a meta-narrative constructed by the elite for the purpose of controlling the ignorant masses. 
to some truth is subjective, the individual world of preference and opinion. Others believe truth is a collective judgment, you know, the product of cultural consensus, and still others flatly deny the concept of truth altogether. So what is truth? Here's a simple definition drawn from what the Bible teaches. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, will, character, glory, and being of God. Even more to the point, truth is the self-expression of God. That is the Bible, uh, that is the biblical meaning of truth. Because the definition of truth flows from God, truth is, first of all, theological. But truth is also ontological, which is a fancy way of saying it is the way things really are. Reality is what it is because God declared it so and made it so. Therefore, God is the author, source, determiner, governor, arbiter, ultimate standard, and final judge of all truth. In fact, the one most valuable lesson humanity ought to have learned from philosophy is that it is impossible to make sense of truth without acknowledging God as the necessary starting point. Truth is not subjective. It is not a consensual cultural construct. And it is not an invalid, outdated, irrelevant concept. Truth is the self-expression of God. Truth is thus theological. Truth is also ontological, the reality God has created and defined over and over which he rules. But truth ultimately is moral. Moral. It's a more, therefore a moral issue for every human being. How each person responds to the truth God has revealed is an issue, listen, of eternal significance. To reject and rebel against the truth of God results in darkness, folly, sin, judgment, and the never-ending wrath of God. To accept and submit to the truth of God is to see clearly, to know with certainty, and to find life eternally. End quote. Great statement. Pastor John nailed it on that one. All right. Even though he's pretty well defined truth biblically, let me go back and kind of come at it as if we're still learning about what it is. Look, I believe that people today really want to know what truth is but are as confused as Pilate was back then. And because of it, many have come to the conclusion that, first of all, truth doesn't exist. Secondly, it's totally subjective. In other words, truth is whatever you want it to be, whatever a person believes it to be. Or number three, that it's hopelessly unknowable. But again, guys, Jesus said that he had come to this world to bear witness to the truth. Or in other words, he's telling us that truth is real and knowable. Truth is real and it's knowable. And earlier in the evening, he defined what truth is. Remember in John 17, verse 17, in his prayer to his heavenly father, he said, your word is truth. As we said earlier, truth is essential for life. And here Jesus tells us in John 17, verse 17, God's word, the Bible, is truth. You know, most people are frantically looking for truth, and yet they don't or won't come to the Bible for the answers on how to live their lives. One author said it well when he said, and I quote, The Bible is the truth about life and death, time and eternity, heaven and hell, right and wrong, men and women, old people and young people, it is the truth about children. It is the truth about society. It is the truth about every relationship between God and man, between man and man, and between man and creation. 
It is the truth about everything that's needful, end quote. In the New King James Version of the Bible, the word truth occurs 237 times and basically has two meanings in Scripture. Number one, temporal facts man may observe about himself and about the physical universe, including truthful, the truthful reporting of those facts. And number two, eternal and spiritual reality pertaining to God and the relationship of the creation to him. Now, guys, when the Bible speaks of truth, it is usually referring to the latter of those two meetings. In other words, spiritual truth, spiritual truth pertaining to the character and action of God and that which deals with our relationship to God. This is really truth. Somebody was asking me the other day, they wanted to do a teaching in their church, uh, and it, it kind of dovetailed with my message, but, um, you know, basically, you know, um, is all truth of God? Well, yeah. Okay, in a broad sense, yes. Everything true is because you're seeing it through the eyes of God in the proper way, all right? But there are different kinds of truth. Some are more important than others. The truth that, you know, uh, you drive a Chevy, I don't know what's out there today, you drive a Chevy and not a Ford. Okay, that's truth. I don't really care. Doesn't affect my life anyway, all right? God bless you, whatever you want to drive. Or my truth that I'm 6'2". Wait, that's my truth. Don't make fun out of my truth. No, the fact that I'm, the height I'm, that's true when I give you the, my true height, 5'10". Um, but who cares? Who cares? The only truth that really matters is truth that will affect our eternity. I mean, that, that's the ultimate truth, right? That's the truth the Bible really focuses on because that really is the only truth that really matters. Sure, other truth is important. If you uh, go to the fridge and you take out uh, some lunch meat and it looks green and it smells really bad, the truth is you better not eat it. That's important truth, right? But that may make you sick for a time. It's not going to affect your eternity. This is why the Bible focuses on truth that result in eternal consequences. That's the real is issue here, all right? Um, now, what do we read about truth in the Bible? I'm going to give you, I'm not going to have you turn to these too many. We'll just go through them quickly, write down the references. I want to give you a, a, just a taste of what the Old Testament, just a sampling of what the Old Testament and New Testament says with regard to truth. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, verse 4 he is the rock. God is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice. Righteousness and upright is he. Now, guys, that is the foundation for life. If this is not the foundational principle of your life, your life is not going to be what God wants it to be. You will certainly not have the best life possible. That verse, and many others like it, really form the foundation for life. Psalm 31, verse 5, Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. That's the goal of life, that you be saved, redeemed. But Psalm 33, verse 4, For the word of the Lord is right, 
and all his work is done in truth. Psalm 119, verse 160. The entirety, all of it, the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Give you one more, Psalm 57, verse 10. For your mercy reaches under the heavens, and your truth into the clouds. In the New Testament we read, again, just a sampling, John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We've already read this, John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And again, John 17, verse 17. Sanctify them by your, word, by your truth, Father, your word is truth. And then, as we alluded to, John 18, verse 37. Jesus said, for this cause I was born. Are you a king then? Pilate said, for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Guys, the word of God is very clear that the truth in the Bible will either save us or judge us someday, depending on how we approach it and if we embrace it or not. Psalm 96, verse 13. For he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Romans 2 verse 8. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Romans 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So if people want to live unrighteously and they suppress the truth of God, they don't want to hear it, read it, apply it to their life, then they're going to face judgment. But 1 Timothy 2 verses 3 and 4, but... This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God doesn't want to see anyone go to hell. That's why he sent his son uh, to die in our place. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, not limited to any one group, that whoever would believe in him would receive everlasting life, not perish in hell. Guys, the word of God brings life to unbelievers and victory to believers in this battle we are experiencing with the devil. And because of it, guess what? You know this. The devil has declared war on the word of God. Way back in the Garden of Eden, the devil declared war on God's word when he first tried to get Eve to doubt what God said. Remember this in Genesis 3 verse 1? Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The Hebrew in this verse could be translated, listen, so God has said, has he? As Satan subtly sows doubt in Eve's mind as to what God said. One author really nailed it when he said in response, he said, and I quote, Here we have the first question in the Bible posing the first dilemma in human history. There were no dilemmas before this one. The question is carefully crafted by Satan to start Eve down the path of doubting God's word. 
He knows that doubting the word of God will inevitably lead to rejecting the will of God and then doing whatever seems right in our own eyes. And so for the first time in human history, the most deadly spiritual force was covertly smuggled into the world. What was it? The assumption that what God has said is subject to human judgment, end quote. That's relativism, folks. But... Today, the attacks have become far more blatant and in-your-face, haven't they? Satan seems to have thrown off all subtlety and now has adopted a direct frontal assault approach in his attacks against the Word of God. Guys, we know that the attacks of the enemy against God's Word are happening on a number of different fronts, not the least of which is the attack we are currently seeing in our culture, the attack on human sexuality. As I said to close last week's message and set up today's, the human race cannot exist without truth, which doesn't just simply apply or have moral implications. It also has physical implications as well. You remember that during the COVID pandemic, people on the left were always shouting, follow the science. We believe in the science. And yet these same people have rejected the most basic science. With regard, to human, with regard to the human race, the science of male and female genetics. Guys, human genetics are not a matter of conjecture or subjective beliefs. They are a matter of basic science. Genetically speaking, boys are born with X and Y sex chromosomes, while girls are born with two X sex chromosomes. I mean, that's science in its most basic form. Deny it. You not only deny science but you destroy the foundation of civilization itself. And as the Bible says, if the foundations are destroyed, Psalm 11, verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Society will inevitably begin to crumble. That's why the, Bible, uh, the devil targeted Genesis, and in particular the first 10 chapters of Genesis, because those are the foundation for civilization. Those are the foundation for civilization. And it all begins with God's creation of mankind, right? Gender confusion, as they're calling it, is an attack on God and his word. Make no mistake about it. Genesis 1, verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 5, verse 2, He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. So God says right up in front, and the reason this is right in the beginning is because a society built on males and females, which then leads to marriage and procreation and all of this, you deny basic biology and you have struck a blow at the foundation of civilization. It's very important, right? That we understand that God made some men, some women, and he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't make a little boy a girl, and now she has to transition. Didn't make a little girl a boy, and now she's got to transition. Biology matters, right? And yet our leaders will tell us that There are, I checked online, 
it varies among different people and groups. How many genders are there? I've seen as many as 80. Some even said it was 150. So you got our leaders jumping on board with this. Leaders like our governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, who just came out and said biology is meaningless. Now I'm sure the governor didn't realize it when he made that statement that he was acting as a mouthpiece for the devil. Maybe somebody should have shouted back to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, that would be disrespectful. Is it not disrespectful on his part to twist the word of God? To deny the reality of God's truth? All to score political points? Look, we're done. Well, let me just say this, wrapping it up. So again, in a world of lies, we're living at a time when I don't think lies have ever been more uh, per pervasive than they are right now. So how do we know the truth from all the lies? I can, I can sympathize with Pilate, who said, what is true? Don't forget, he lived during a period of time, and up until his day, he had all these Greek philosophers all claiming to have the truth. Many of their truths contradicted each other. I understand this frustration. So how do we know what is true in a world of lies? Well, very simply, we just talked about it. Jesus said in John 8, verses 31 and 2, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free from man's lies. I will have you turn to this, 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, let's pick it up in verse 16. Now, Peter wrote this, but he was uh, commenting right here on Paul's writings. And he said in verse 16, Paul, as, in all, uh, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, beloved... Since you know this beforehand, be aware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How do you grow in knowledge of Jesus? You study his word. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. I'll give you one more quote and we'll close. One author said, Scripture is God's truth whether it affects anybody or nobody. It is God's truth whether you agree with it or disagree with it, like it or don't like it. The truth is offensive, and there will always be a fixed animosity between the culture and authentic Christianity. The divide or chasm between the two could not be any wider than it currently is, end quote. How do you combat lies? You just speak the truth. But don't argue, Paul said. Don't argue, but uh, with those who contradict you. He said, you know, speak to them humbly, peaceably, with humility, gently correcting them using God's word, lest God will grant them repentance. Open their eyes. They've been taken captive by the devil. But you always defeat error with truth, speaking it with love, kindness, 
You always defeat darkness by just turning on the light. So in conclusion, guys, what is truth? Simply put, truth is God. Truth is God. Who has expressed himself in the pages of Scripture, his holy word. God's word is truth. Listen, very simply, believe it and you'll be saved. You'll live a blessed life. Reject it. And the consequences will be eternal. Eternal separation from God. Now, what did Pilate do with the truth when presented to him? It's interesting what he did. And so we'll look at that next time. Father, we thank you that in a world of lies, you have given us your truth. In a world of darkness, light has come in the person of Jesus Christ. But even before Jesus, your word has penetrated the darkness as the truth, the light. And we thank you, Lord. Give us grace in these last days to know the truth to meditate on the truth, to walk in the truth, to share the truth. It is the only thing people need, really need, in this world. We thank you, Father. We ask you to keep blessing these studies in your word. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.